Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Are you enjoying the pump? Hopefully you enjoyed the pump. Hopefully you took profits as I recommended only that people do because I wasn't sure what we were dealing with here. And some people even speculate that it might be a bull trap. I don't know what to think. All I can tell you is that we had the pumps that we had, and they seem to have plateaued ever so slightly. I'm going to talk some numbers. Let me just give you a quick internal update. So everything is looks like it's set to go, except for waiting on some packages for me to get the hell out of Nevada. So that means I'm likely not going to be doing lives this weekend. That's the current theory, because I have to wait for these packages. If they show up on time, means I want to try to get out of here and drive over the weekend so that I'm not missing any of my time with my endeavors. If they don't show up in time, because I don't want to drive during the week because I won't be able to do my work with my endeavors, it's not a major thing. It's just that there's a lot going on. And so plan is to move over weekend, not during the week. So that means either this weekend or next weekend. I don't want to wait till next weekend because I have to continue paying bills. Plus, I had already canceled my primary internet That was effective. Well, three days from now, the final bill is due today. So I have my backup internet. It's good enough, but it's not great. And it's really not good enough for streaming. So that's the reason why if no matter what, I'm probably not going to have a a live for uh, CryptoTalkRadio.net for the public on YouTube, as well as our triad. I'm probably not going to have that this coming weekend is my guess. Then I have to get to the new place and I have to get internet set up and that's going to be a pain because they only schedule on certain days. It's not like you could just set up yourself anytime you choose because it's AT&T fiber and I've never had fiber, but the scheduling is bull. I don't want to cuss, but it's bull. So there's that. And then I'm getting a backup internet there. I can't use my existing provider because they're not out there. So I set up spectrum and everybody says spectrum's a nightmare. So then, okay, it's probably good enough as a backup, but I'm, you know, I can't just rely on it. soul. So All of that's in the air. I haven't done that. I haven't set up the utilities. I haven't done anything because I'm not up there because of this fiasco that happened with the first car sale that fell out. 
and I did get my money back. So it's not like, you know, I've got the cash, but it, the bottom line is it delayed. It threw a wrench in my plans. Then I have the car. I bought the car. It's cash. Don't really like the car. It's if I were like 18 car would be cool. Like it would be sick, 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 but I'm not 18. So I don't know that it meets what I need. So now I'm debating, should I try to trade him in on what I really want and then pay cash for the difference and just be done with it? That would take care of registration. That would take care of a lot of different things. But the problem with that, you know, thought process is beautiful as it sounds. If I do that, I'm kind of doubling up because if I do it here, they're going to send me plates for Nevada. Then I drive up where I'm going and then I got to get plates there. Or do I try to finagle it to get it to be in the new place? I do have an address in the new place, but it's not the right address. Like it's all this fiasco. So everything's up in the air, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't, I'm, I'm not frustrated, but I'm disappointed. That's, it feels like the timing just sucks. Like it's always December, January, and these are just the worst times to do things. And then in summer, everything gets quiet, which really pisses me off. Other than that, I'm fine. It's just, I'm not packed like I need to be. I'm going to be cracking down tomorrow and try to get as much as I can done because I don't know if the packages are going to show up. I've got mail house packages, like mail forwarded stuff coming. My Xbox Series X is supposed to be coming. That one should be showing up tomorrow. I think, I don't know. And then I've got a, uh, I ordered an accessory for my new uh, home office in the new place. If depending on the room space, I'm, this may be the same office that you guys see on the YouTube going forward. So I'm not going to be in the alley anymore. So that's an accessory for that. So all this stuff's in the air and I'm frustrated. Meanwhile, crypto's kind of doing this weird thing up and down with no clear, like you can see some things are happening, but not know why. So let's dig into that and let's see if we can piece that apart while I try to fight my own personal situation outside. Bitcoin's having what people refer to as a moment, starting to do a run-up and the numbers look good. We are primed and poised for a major run-up. We had a little bit of consolidation happen earlier, but everything's primed and poised for a really good run-up. It is still on schedule, just to be clear, on not to sustain long-term, as in it's not going to be the 2021 unreasonable. But we are seeing that, at least in the short term, for the next month or a couple months, things are looking good, assuming we don't get any negative catalysts getting in the way. What I'm seeing is that the bottom is still what I said it was before, which is somewhere between 10,000 and 12,000. Right now, looks like we're going to be above that line for the foreseeable. And then sometime later in the year, we might see more dips and crap outs. Hopefully we don't, but we might. Then I see end of the year leading into the new year, we start to get a much more strong run-up, especially on Bitcoin itself. And of course, everybody's really hoping, strongly hoping that we that all that happens because we've been sitting in the red for a very long time. And it feels like there's no end in sight, doesn't it? Meanwhile, BNB, the Binance coin, is already begin its strong run up. It's very close to its haul. It's high. I'm not going to say that it's like right next to it, but it's getting close to its high. It's not going to hit its all time high in the short term, but it's getting close to it. It's certainly in a stronger position than Bitcoin was not just two months ago. And then Ethereum was like a month and a half ago. So Binance coin looks really, really good. Ethereum is starting to do its run, but Ethereum is more hovering. It's kind of sideways. It's it like goes up a little bit and then it it goes. 
However, Ethereum is up from where it was before. So my point is it is going up, but not with the same strength that we saw before. That said, Ethereum doesn't look like it's going to have the same crap out later that Bitcoin is expected to have. This may be as a result of liquidation, maybe as a result of catalysts. My point is that Ethereum looks like it's going to be in a stronger position overall throughout the year. If we do get the negative catalysts, as I expect that we will, you know, the Jerome Powell's and the Gary Gensel's of the world, if we do get those negative catalysts, anything can happen. I'm saying that Ethereum has a lot more in its favor. That seems to lend itself well to a very strong run. And it's possible that Ethereum, with all the things that's been done, all the upgrades, all the shifts, everything happening, it's possible that Ethereum could very finally break that five-figure mark. I know that sounds unrealistic, but it's actually quite possible that it does sometime in 2024. So my advice to anybody, if you're watching the crypto market space and you're curious about those, I've always said that the core coins can never steer you wrong. That's largely led by Binance, Ethereum, Bitcoin, to a lesser degree, Compound, but Compound's had issues. AVAX, AVAX has had issues. Polygon's about to do the fork. Phantom's had some issues. So, but they've, they've never let you down. Like if you think about it, with the exception of Compound, really, and to a lesser degree, XRP, they've really never let you down. And now that we're seeing the run-up, we are seeing the strength of those core coins in direct play. And to me, that strengthens what I said. They can never steer you wrong. And if you, if you, if you can set aside your emotions, right? What I said before is this is cyclical. This up and down is cyclical. It's happened before multiple times. It continues to happen. We keep hearing every time it happens, crypto's dead, deep, deep, deep. And despite this, it always seems to recover. And when it recovers, it recovers stronger than it did before. The bottom line is we've got a number of different players outside of the you and I, the retail. We got a number of big players and they don't care about the social medias and they don't care about the, you know, they don't even really care about the Gary Gensels of the world. To them, it's just a means to an end. We, they either want it to be a stabilization asset or they're kind of toying with it a little bit just to have diversity of portfolio or they may see something like it's about to be a run up. They see it strongly predicted to go up and they want to use it to essentially dump off of it later. No matter what, those big players are going to be in cryptocurrency for the foreseeable future. What a lot of them may be kind of holding out on is the risk aspect. They're not sure. They see all these breaches and hacks. They stay away from the garbage. They still go to the cores. That's why I say that's where the money's going to come back because those are largely exempt from the scam and the garbage that's out there. However, the scams, if you were to go into the crap coins that are out there, they are subject to the whims of the core. So if the core dumps off and then you have this project and they, the devs get all pissy or whatnot and they dump out and rug pull it, you have a greater probability of losing significant levels of money than you do with the core coins. If you haven't watched that pattern, or let's say you haven't been listening to Leister at CryptoTalkRadio.net, by the way, welcome if you're new, you'll realize the core cannot steer you wrong. They're long plays, they're cyclical plays, they're going to have those ups and downs. And when they do go up, it seems like they go in a stronger position than the prior period. If you can set aside the emotions, that's the key. You realize that if you just put money in there, it's almost like every other type of stock that you might invest in or any other bond that you might invest in, with the exception being the volatility aspect. Bitcoin is a lot less volatile than it used to be. Certainly as it goes up, it's going to become more volatile simply because of 
people taking for profits. But right now, if you look at Bitcoin or even Ethereum, the volatility is at an all-time low. It's actually very predictable. It's pretty stable. It's not crapping out. It's not crashing and burning. You can largely predict the movement, and it's not this crazy disruption that you might see in something like an AMC. So I'm not telling you what to do with your money. I'm telling you that if you are looking to get into anything at all, the core coins can never steer you wrong. And I maintain that aspect. And that is represented in the price charts and the predictions I see, which puts a really strong sentiment on Ethereum in particular. Very strong recovery coming into 2024. I know there's people that are impatient and they're like, why can't it be right now? Doot, doot, doot. And I understand that. But the truth is, everything was going to be a long play to begin with. We knew that we've got some time to rebuild because it took time to lose it. It took time to crap. It took pretty much the span of 2022 to really get to a base and even then bottom out like Ethereum did at $900 so that we could do some rebound. It's rebounding very healthily. I think it's in a good spot. I think crypto's in a good spot. It's up to you whether you're, you have the patience though, frankly, to hold the line. Let's talk about a couple of other ones. SHIB, Shiba Inu, which I don't like covering simply because I think the devs are incompetent, but I'm going to talk about it because it's also a good measure of sentiment, confidence, overall strength of cryptocurrency. SHIB is at four zeros right now. It was able to gain back a zero before when it was going down. That zero is now gone again. We're back to four. People don't understand that SHIB is still not at its real all-time high. The real all-time high happened when this went on Coinbase Pro, who then screwed it up. So it's nowhere close to that all-time high. SHIB is, it has an increasing level of stability to it. The reason I'm calling this out is as we look at these different cryptocurrencies, stability of the asset is going to be vital because diversity of portfolio is always important, making sure that you invest in multiple different things. So that if you do try to, as they say, gamble on some crap coin and maybe you do make some money off of it, hopefully you don't, but let's see you do. The goal should be to take that one coin and not have it be the, the vast majority of what you invest in, but rather a diversity of strength in your portfolio. Enough projects that don't shift heavily to where this one is not going to completely kill you if it decides to rug pull or craps out for whatever other reason. So SHIB is becoming a very stable, reliable asset, at least now. Part of that is because of how many people are in it. Part of that's because of the work that they're trying to do. Part of that's some of the loss of the toxicity that used to be there. Part of that's paired with Ethereum. All of these together are creating a strong sentiment around SHIB that I think will play itself out leading into 2024. SHIB is not going to make you a millionaire. And I want to stress that unless they do something dramatically different than what they've been doing. Because I did the math and I put it up on YouTube. Check that out if you want about the ship burns and the reason why it's not going to make you a millionaire anytime in the near future, probably not in the lifetimes of you and I. However, because of the stability that we see, you might be a good candidate to have as part of a diverse portfolio overall. And I would have the same opinion about Doge. The only thing that holds Doge back is the fact it's still paired to Elon at some level. And when Elon does something people don't like, it seems to crap, and then it, it becomes a pump and dump when he does something that people do like. I'm not telling you what to do with either one. I'm saying that be aware these are factors that are going to change how the perception of cryptocurrency evolves over time. Big picture then, as we look at all the core coins, again, I named off a few, but there's, there's more of them. As we look at this overall, we have to also consider what crypto is going to look like in the future. 
So for the next three years, four years, what is cryptocurrency's true form? We know that the United States government is trying to put some guardrails around cryptocurrency. They're trying to regulate it to some degree. Many of these institutionals that I'm talking about, they want that regulation because it gives them certainty about what's possible, what's not possible, what's necessary, what's not necessary, as well as what those risk aspects are. That's not contributing to whether they do or don't buy in. It contributes to how much they buy in and how confident they are in leaving it there for long play. Right now, much of them are going to be pretty much pump and dump situations, as in they'll buy in like a Tesla did. They'll buy in, sit on it, and then basically dump out when they need the money. Well, that hurts you. That hurts a lot of different, <laughs> that hurts a lot of different investors. They don't really care because, as I said, they don't care about the social media. They don't care about all this other business. And so what I'm advocating for you is the strong diversity of assets to minimize how much disruption there might be based on those external factors you can't control. So here's where it all kind of shifts now mentality shifts. When you look at something like a BNB Binance coin, they have burns going on. Ethereum has burns going on. Many of these have burns under the hood to help manage supply. The burn in of itself is not going to really move the needle as we see with many of the garbage projects that burn tokens and they put this hype out there to help you think this is going to go somewhere deep, deep, deep. This is what's then affecting Luna Classic as an example because that started, the whole project started off, we're just going to burn and we're going to do the burn to get it back under control and it never really fixed the core problem. Much also, despite not fixing the problem, you have this asset that has strong potential for recovery but you also have people still there sitting on bags waiting to dump off of it. My point is not that Luna Classic won't repair, because I do think at some point in a future, it will get back to some level of solvency, certainly never anywhere close to what it used to be. I'm saying that as you watch these projects, however their mechanics work, whether they offer a burn, whether they do distributions, whatever the hell it is, whatever it is that they got going on, just be careful not to fall into the trap be careful not to fall into the hype because all that's going to do is put you in a corner and I wouldn't want to see that. Let's talk about a couple bit bit of news um, things. They're not major things. I wanted to keep it simple for today's episode. Reserve the rest of it for the remainder on, on Thursday's episode. Bank of America was chiming in on this whole business about central bank digital currency. Bank of America, of course, is crap. I've had my own personal issues with Bank of America. But... Here's the thought that they put out, and I'm actually okay with the, the thought of the approach because it's a different thought than what's presented. So I've always said that fiat's not going away. It's never going to go away. The bottom line is it's never going to go away. You always have to have fiat in the, in the picture because, unfortunately, everything blockchain technology, it relies on electricity. We know our grids are unstable. You always have to have a fallback, and that's always going to be fiat of some kind. We know that. Well, people were talking about, yep, the CDBC is going to get rid of all fiat. They're going to take all of our paper and all this stuff. I can guarantee you in lifetimes of those listening to me here, we're never going to get away from fiat. At some distant future, maybe. We'll, we'll be long dead before they ever get that done. There's too much reliance on fiat in terms of currency. The other problem or the flaw, I should say, like just right now, is if you want to do a large transaction, so let's say anything over 10 grand and it's a digital transaction, so you go to your bank and you want to do a transaction that way, that's 
the government doesn't like those because they assume there might be something to it. Why are you shifting so much freaking money? Do you, do you, do you, however, if you wrote a check, they're perfectly fine with it. You can write a check for, you know, $1 million and they're probably not going to, your bank will ask you, but the government itself doesn't really care. Isn't that stupid? But that's really how it works. That's why most athletes are still paid by check because if they get a large sum, the check doesn't raise flags. As stupid as it sounds, it doesn't raise flags. Money orders are still limited to $1,000 per, but you can buy as many of them as you want. They don't care. These are, these are legacy things that we've built into the process in their quest to try to control flow of money to ideally detect where it's unscrupulous uses of money. Well, it's still stupid because, again, when paper is involved in any form, they simply don't care. They don't. If I take a bunch of cash, I can go. I actually just went to the ATM, by the way. If I get a bunch of cash and I go down to a car dealer and I drop a bunch of cash and say 5000 down on that car, there's no red flags raised whatsoever. If they take that cash and they go down to the bank and they want to deposit it, there's no red flags raised. As dumb as that is. So fiat is always going to be in the loop some way, somehow, simply because of its versatility of use. With the CBDC, part of the challenge has been in order for the government to justify it being used at a banking level, they're going to have to have full accountability, full document trails, full traceability matrix, everything that's involved that can, you got to consider what it took for us to get our current framework. It took ages to get wire transfers in place. It took ages to get ACHs in place. To the point, banks started going to Zelle, which is crap, just to get it to where people could send their money instantly. And then Zelle, because it's a money service provider, is like, well, hold on now. We got to verify all your identity. You got to go on your mobile phone and do all this crap. It's not the simple transaction that a wire and ACH is. So then Plaid comes in, which is a different provider, to try to help bridge the gap, essentially like a KYC type of thing. It connects to your bank, so it lets them verify that the bank account's yours, lets them verify deposits without having to do the long way. So Plaid was the, again, the solution to a problem I don't think is a problem. Problem with Plaid is Plaid got breached, number one. I just fought this with my main bank. They wanted to do Plaid just for me to do a regular ACH, and they've never done it before. And I'm like, screw you. So I had to basically let it fail out, and then it fell back to, okay, give me the routing, give me the thing, and we'll send sample deposits. All of that is the industry overall, banking, is trying to push towards a world where at least there's more optimized transactions, but it's still reliant on the old way we do things. CBDCs require a whole new framework. You can't use what's there because blockchain technology is not going to directly integrate with the existing banking structure. To some degree, you probably could get away with it on, say, wire transfers, but you're not going to do it on the ACH check 21 process. It's not going to happen. So bank, basically Bank of America said, you know what, there's an opportunity here but what we should use it for is essentially to increase the efficiency of transactions, which I agree with blockchain can help with this as well as the lower cost of per transaction, which I agree with this as long as that savings is passed along to the customer. The other part that they were saying is, well, we need to consider what is that going to do to banks, just general banking. And what does it do to the, the balance of assets in different countries and the equality of asset value across different countries. This is not something we have to worry about in a fiat world because most of the international currencies at some level are pegged to the value of the U.S. dollar simply because that's the way it's been. 
what they're saying is, well, we got to consider that too, because if we go to this digital currency, how do you give that value equivalency to the international markets, which could destabilize them if you're not careful? That's also why I said fiat will never go away. Now, I'm okay with the idea that you take what is fiat today, and for the purposes, only the purposes of communication from A to B, you convert it into a digital currency for that transmission and it's fiat on the back end. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with an idea where you can convert fiat as a fiat, basically a fiat off ramp or on ramp from fiat to crypto or vice versa using regular banks. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the idea of being able to purchase cryptocurrency through a bank provided you maintain the anonymity. I'm cool with that. I'm not cool with trying to replace fiat because I think it's not possible or practical. That's my opinion on the matter. Nobody's going to change my mind. The last update I'll call out, because I thought that this one stood out in, in my mind at least, and maybe I'll talk about this other one too. So the big news was Silvergate. And just for fair disclosure, in a distant past, Silvergate was a client of mine, and I'll leave it at that. So Recently, Silvergate put some data out there and they said that they lost $1 billion in a quarter thanks to the crypto bear market. Now, you're wondering, well, how did this all correlate? How is it possible that this bank essentially lost this? So what happened was there was an excessive amount of transfers where they were there was cash outs, essentially. Cash outs of, of fiat and people be getting payouts of things. And it just so happened that Silvergate was one of the primary contributors of the of the fiat equivalent to the person that was doing the sale. But also Silvergate has, if you didn't know, digital assets exchange capabilities directly in. So they have actually a fiat off-ramp built into their framework. So it just so happened that they saw this much money that was lost. Now, this bodes possibly very well for this CBDC conversation, because think about it, the bank, in order to function, must have access to capital liquidity. It must have access to something in order to support the transactions, just like any centralized exchange. If you try to go to a world that's just a bunch of blockchain, you the only way that you could functionally do this is you have to pretty much increase the liquidity capabilities of banks. Every bank, every bank would have to be on board. Like you can't, you can't half-ass it. You'd have to say every bank as of this date, we have to increase your liquidity that's on hand you have to have staff up because you got to need to manage, you know, security and that. So you got to have more than what you have today. And your liquidity reserves have to be improved. And you got to be able to prove it because physical auditing has to happen. You have to be able to come in and see that you're maintaining the liquidity levels to support what the blockchain says you're supposed to. And we have to monitor the transactions in and out the flow of information and money. That's a whole different framework than what's there today. There's certainly a management of liquidity. There's certainly a management of assets. There's certainly audit trails. But a lot of that's managed by just the rote consideration of trucks shipping cash over or accounting books and things that legacy work fine. But in a blockchain world, you're not going to be able to do that because, of course, blockchain is its own ledger. That also requires different skill sets in order to be able to interpret the data and correlate it to whether or not a bank is solvent or not. Something to think about and very intriguing, at least to me. The last bit, this is quick too. Japan, or at least the regulations in Japan, the regulators, they feel that, because it ties to what I just talked about, they feel like regular exchanges for cryptocurrency should be supervised and managed as banks. Of course, Gary Gensler has said something very similar. Now, here's the thought. 
And just food for thought, I'll leave it in the form of a question. If we treat an exchange, so say a Coinbase, like a bank, well, what does that mean? It means that they are subject to the same protection provisions that we get from banks. As in, if I give you my money, no, Mr. CEO, you don't go up there and say, well, we'll shut down deep, deep, deep. No, you don't. We will get our protection for trusting the asset. It means that the custodial relationship changes. It means they are on the hook to make sure your money's taken care of while it's in the form of cash or cryptocurrency. That's appealing. What's the downside of it though? The downside is that if you regulate it like a bank, it means that you have to also have the same oversight as banks are subject to, which means no large transactions over 10K without raising some significant eyebrows. That means that you'd probably have to consider some sort of physical premise as in a physical place to go being available for people because if you didn't know, banks are also subject to certain laws and regulations, especially in the United States, around disability, accessibility. You can't just say, this is all it is. That's why, like on an online bank and they give you a debit card, it has to allow you to withdraw your funds. They have to enable you to build a deposit, which usually is a mail-in process, because there are people who simply can't just work off their phone and do whatever the heck. I actually just opened up an account recently and something went weird with the account and I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> something went weird with the account and I'm working that out with them. But when I deal with the Coinbase situation I did before, the only reason I opened up the bank account is because Coinbase started playing games and I need to have a different place to funnel short payment type things. What the scrutiny that this bank put me through is nowhere close to what Coinbase put me through to get set up and the headache is way less. Well, now we, we've come full circle because it used to be the bank was a pain to deal with and the Coinbases of the world were actually very easy. Robinhood's been pretty good, except they got rid of their uh, cash management, which is bull. <laughs> so this coming to surface intrigues me. The idea that, yes, we might consider supervising these exchanges as a bank and there's, again, pros and cons like a call out, but it caused me to think it, all this means is that we, the governments, they don't know any other way. They don't know any other way to kind of corral. And I did say that if they want to control the flow of money, you're going to go out to these centralized exchanges because at the end of the day, that's the fiat on an off ramp. Now, the question is decent exchanges. Should the decent exchanges fall under the same scrutiny? I don't know because you're not dealing with fiat. It doesn't have any value until you sell it or buy it. So yeah, I think it's a hard sell. And I don't think they're going to be able to pull off anything on the decent. It's something to keep an eye on, at least in the short term. See if anything comes up of it. I'm not sold that anything will change, but it's an intriguing thought if they can make that somehow, make it a better structure for everybody. Because everybody needs protections of some kind. We do need to have certain guardrails without the loss of the freedom that cryptocurrency allows us. You know, the idea that I can do a deposit, I can do a withdrawal 24 hours a day that I can do a trade 24 hours a day. I don't have to wait for banker's hours. You know, Today, if I want to do a wire transfer, I better get it in before one o'clock Pacific or it's not going to go. In the crypto world, I can send the transit through blockchain and it's going to be a few minutes and it doesn't matter what time of day I do it. Long as we have the same freedoms, I think, I think it's a good thing. Whether we'll have the same freedoms, that's the open question. Something to think about as we consider where we're going cryptocurrency. In summary though, Everything's looking good overall, at least for now, unless we get some negative catalyst that completely kills the business. I certainly hope not. And then on Thursday's episode, I'm going to dig a little bit more into 
couple of other cryptocurrencies that I wanted to chat with you guys about. Meanwhile, I'm not sure what's going to happen with streaming. I will keep you up to date. I need to figure out what's going to happen with my packages that are inbound and finally get my darn packing done. And then I'll finally be the hell out of here. It actually started raining and it's freezing cold. I don't mind the cold, but it's raining and cold, which is not a good thing. So where I'm going is even colder. I'm cool with the cold, not cool with the rain and cold. And I've got to get set up in the new place and find out what that looks like. And then hopefully by the time I get up there, crypto will either go on that major run that we hope, or it'll somehow stabilize to where it's a little bit more predictable. Doesn't mean I don't want to run. I want predictability. I want it to be consistent and predictable so I can time everything right. Because I believe this could be life-changing for a lot of people. This, if, if it's truly about to go on a run here soon, this could be life-changing for a lot of people who missed out on the later phases of 2020, for example. It could be huge. And there could be people holding on to assets that might give them some value to recoup what they may have lost too. It's an exciting time. It's also a scary time. So I'll repeat what I always say. Don't get caught up in it. Don't YOLO into things. If you're a gambler, it is what it is. But I always will always say, keep a roof over your head. Keep food on your table. Take care of your family. Try not to get caught up in it. Try not to get overly tempted by it. I understand. It's a very, it's risk. It's always risk. And with risk does come reward. But I just don't want to see people YOLO. And possibly it turns out to be a bull trap. and then. That I don't want to see it. It's up to you what you do with your money. I am just a messenger. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The Triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors, the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that say the word Kek. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project, it doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.